Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR, episode 155B. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. It's great to be with you today. I'm joined by a great guest, one of my good friends. Let's get right into it. He is the New York subway hero. He is the host of Coliseum Chronicles. He's now part of the... Hockey Podcast Network family. He's my good friend for over two decades. Folks, if you want to get drunk, maybe have a mojito. And ladies and gents, it's Jolton Joe Lazito. Here he is. He's with us today. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, TR. Thanks for having me back. I love it. Thanks. So, um, Joe, for those of you that don't know, uh, was literally the New York subway hero. And, Joe, do you know what episode you were my guest? Was it like 52 or something like that? I don't remember. I want to say, because I, I listened to your episode today and you said 50-something, but I honestly don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And I could have done my research, but now we got this started. Folks, if you like yeah. my podcast, wherever you're listening to it, uh, whatever the platform, go back. And it's, uh, I would think, between 30 and 55. Joe's my good friend. The New York subway hero is completely unrelated, but just happened to be. I, I, know, I knew him before that. It's a fantastic story. And um, actually, before we and Joe just moved moved on, he's got a ho- hockey podcast called Coliseum Chronicles that mostly deals with the New York Islanders. Am I right, Joe? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, branching out a little bit, but as of right now, it's pretty much just Islander and Islander related uh, enforcer stories. Fantastic. And uh, Joe joined the Hockey Podcast Network, so uh, he'll be working under that umbrella with myself. Joe and I have known each other for over two decades, and uh, we've kept in touch for most of that time. Joe, it's great to have you again. Thanks for joining. Matt, like I said, this is just a pleasure. I always like chatting with you, whether it's recorded or not. You know, this is uh, this is a lot of fun. And can I just, uh, before we get started, I just want to thank Senior. Uh, not thank him, congratulate him on the, the number retirement. And uh, congrats to Penny Lane on the white Jeep. So, uh, so good for everybody. Thanks. Appreciate that. You're yeah. You're paying attention. Uh, listen, there's so many ways to spend time nowadays. Uh, I really appreciate, and that goes for everybody listening, uh, listening to the podcast because uh, I get caught up in it. Joe, you know what I did? So I got the Jeep. Thanks a lot, by the way. That was ten years in the making. Penny Lane, since she was old enough to talk and walk, as you know, um, absolutely loved. She looked at a, a white Jeep the way I look at a 
I would say a Lamborghini. I'm not really a car guy. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just the top of her list. And, mm-hmm. and I love Jeeps as well, so why not? But I didn't realize, Joe, it came with satellite radio. Oh, wow. Okay. And I already had so many podcasts queued up. I don't listen. I don't get to all of them. Mm-hmm. And now I had satellite radio. I turned it on. The first thing, the Beatles station, it was the top 100. You know, it's all subjective. Yeah. Uh, top 100, 2023, as voted on by listeners all over the world. And we listened to it. Penny Lane and I listened to almost the entire thing. And then I go on to everything from ESPN to the Pearl Jam channel, Lithium. Anyway, I'm in love. And now I have yet another way to spend time that I don't have. Uh, that's what it's all about, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> you're, you know, Penny Lane's younger than than my two boys, but uh, you know, it, it, it's that's all. What it's all about is the kids and family time. That's really all that matters. Your boys are how old? Uh, my oldest is 22. He and he recently got his master's degree in um, mechanical engineering uh, a couple of weekends ago, and uh, my youngest is 19. He just completed his sophomore year in college. Wow, I did see that. Mechanical engineering. And uh, what are your boys' names again? Uh, Joey is the mechanical engineer, and Dominic is the, uh, he's actually going for social work. So, uh, good choice. Yeah. yeah. That's an important job. I went in to do that, Joe. Yeah. And um, I, I ended up working in the field, but I didn't really. I work with uh, some disadvantaged youth from Newfoundland, which I still do, but it was my full time job for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, just I, honestly, I got a job on a film set that paid more and, uh, and opened more doors, so I did that. But my reaction was to do social work, and uh, you know, if if that's what you're deciding to get into, then you've certainly uh, chosen something that will really reach out and help others, not yourself. So congratulate both of them. And mechanical engineering, good yeah. God, yeah. I couldn't even start. No. Andrea and I laugh about it all the time when we were doing the campus tours and they would take us to the engineering wing and we'd see all these machines and different things. And his eyes just kind of lit up like, oh, my God. And Andrea and I were just looking at each other like, what the hell are we looking at? Like we it, our brains don't compute that. And he it just looked like he saw opportunities. So uh, where he got his intelligence from, I don't know, but uh, I'm happy that he does. That's amazing. So listen, where's your hockey fandom now? Back in the day, I met you. Um, I was wrong on the details, but when I mentioned on my podcast, you weren't the one I gave the jersey to. We figured out before this, but I gave you a stick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, that was my first... I, I think I mixed up the details because there was a lot going on. It was my first uh, experiment with pro hockey, experience with pro hockey. And I met a lot of people. For for some reason, in the New England, in the New York area, that I still kind of keep in contact with, I guess there's a lot of hockey fans. Um, but we um, when, I, when, when I first met you, you, you were into the real, the tough guys, the tough oh, yeah. stuff, that part of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had a wealth of knowledge concerning all of it. And then, you, you know, I know you're an MMA fan. Where are you now with all of it? Well, we, uh, we actually met, I remember you were a rookie with Freddie. And yeah. we met in Albany. And you were you had come out. We I always got there early to try to see the guys before warm ups and everything. And uh, we were sitting by the right by the runway where you guys came out. And I remember you came out. You were in the uh, the blue undershirt. You know the long sleeve blue undershirt. You were looking at your yeah. sticks, and I just looked over and I'm like, "Hey, Terry!" And you looked at me like I was crazy for even knowing who you were. And yeah. I'm like, "Oh, come here, come here!" And you came over, and I'd given you some fight tapes, and you were just like completely 
almost blindsided. It just, you were, you were almost like, who, who, how does he know who I am? You know, like there was no ego involved. And, uh, and it was great because the whole time you were with Freddie, it went from you and, and Brownie and Jerry. Uh, and then a year or so later, it was you and Darcy and Gordy. Uh, Jerry was a coach, um, you know, and all, and Aaron was there. And Aaron who made his way down there. Yeah, so it, it, that was a lot of fun. But that was the, the time we met. It was in Albany, and you were just absolutely shocked that anybody would know who you were, I guess, outside of Newfoundland or yeah, like it was. So, well, yeah. my junior experience all the, outside of the last few months in my last year to Red Deer was in Tri-City. It was really laid back. And even yeah. even while Lanks, me, Lanks, and Boosh went in the first round. Now, I'm not complaining when I say this. It was yeah. great in junior. Uh, but other than that, you know, other than our big-time super-duper fans in Tri-City, it's not like we didn't own even really knew who we were and I, I enjoyed it like that i remember mm-hmm. getting traded up to red deer you know for the you know your last hurrah when you're 19 and um you know i'd already been in montreal for a little bit things were totally different but i remember looking at the 16 17 year olds going wow this will be a little bit different if i was to play up here in my draft year like you're scrutinized i'd never played a game on tsn and my yeah. first sorry my second game in red deer nationally mm-hmm. televised yeah. it was just a, a whole di- even though it's the same league mm-hmm. right I remember a few years after me, Carey Price played in Tri-City, and it was similar. He was on fire, setting Mm -hmm. records, but you never really know it if you watch Canadian junior hockey on TSN, right? Or nothing against TSN. I can understand why. Um, But that was the reason. So, and that's it. And you had fight tapes, and I believe you had a fight website, correct? Well, yeah. So what I would do back then is I would try to meet the guys, you know, the guys who fought, the enforcers, uh, you know, shit disturbers, guys like that. Those were the guys, and still are, the guys that I respect. And, um, you know, it, it was... You know, I was the guy all all my life when you're in school talking hockey with people and saying, well, this guy's a goon, that guy's a knuckle dragger. And I was always the guy that was going, you just don't know what you're talking about. And it just it just developed into this immense respect. You know, I grew up with the Islander dynasty team, you know, Gary Howard, Clark Gillies, Bob Nystrom, those guys. Whoa. It was it was just phenomenal. So what I would do is I would go to the rinks before the game uh, here on Long Island. I would go to the Marriott uh, across the parking lot and. There were people there, let's say, you know, uh, Quebec would come in and they want people wanted to meet Stastny or later on Joe Sackett. Well, I'd be there waiting for Darren Kimball, you know, or if it was Montreal, people want to see Dennis Savard. Well, I'd be there waiting for Todd Ewan. So um, mm-hmm. and it helped because all the guys I was there to meet were just unbelievable humans, as you know. And uh, it really just fostered the um, the love of the enforcers and it got me into collecting. And I did have a website for a bit. It was actually uh, dating myself an old AOL website. And uh, when the AOL kind of got rid of that, so then the, uh, the website went down, but, uh, but that's where I actually started doing interviews. They were just written interviews. I would post them on the site and uh, then it just developed into what's now with the, uh, with the podcast. Okay. I was wondering. Yeah. Because uh, not that it's no surprise to me. Yeah. Um, at first, I just don't remember there being a radio presence, which essentially is what ended up, you know, podcasts and radio are really similar, aren't they? Yeah. So how long have you been doing Coliseum Chronicles? Well, I think like a lot of people during COVID, you, you pick up stuff and you do stuff. And that's when I started it. And, and you know, I'll be honest, you know, for me, I try not to sound arrogant when I say this. I, I don't think I do a lot of things well. Uh, I do believe that 
you know, the enforcer aspect of the game is something I've really, you know, spent a lot of time doing in my life. You know, I've written for magazines about it and, and I've, I've been in the locker rooms and I've met a lot of the guys. So I do think it's something that I, I know a little bit about. And there were some podcasts that I would, I would listen to and, you know, not all of them, but some of them I just thought were terrible. And yeah. It almost felt like they were opening up Hockey DB and just going year by year, but they had no details about anything. And I was almost embarrassed for the guest. Like, you're wasting this guy's time. And I said, you know yeah. what? If if it's not hard to set up, because I'm not very I'm not tech savvy at all, if it's not hard to set up, well, this is something I'd like to give a try to. I already know a lot of the stories and I love to do the research. And um and then it was born and uh and during COVID and that's still going strong now. I've um I think uh 114 episodes as of now. Beautiful. And uh, it's a great podcast. Um so <laughs> Not to sound high on my horse, but that happens here and there because, Joe, you're right, and everybody can have a podcast, and everybody seems that they do, Mm -hmm. and especially during COVID. Look, I did it. I figured I I, I was reluctant. I Mm -hmm. I did it with a couple of buddies, and then Dylan and Isha called me from the uh, Hockey Podcast Network and said, you know, maybe because at first I was thinking about covering the Canadians, and I'm like... I'm not really a journalist. I can tell. I don't really love analyzing. I'd rather tell some stories or whatever. And we I don't know, one of us, I think Dylan from THPN, maybe come up with Tales with TR. Maybe you could just do it, you know, however you want, whatever twist you want. You get some tales out of your guests, whatever it would be. So I started, because I don't want to seem like a hypocrite when I say this, and I know I'm not great. I ramble. I cut off my guests. There's a, we can always improve. Oh. But one thing I like to be is a little bit knowledgeable about the person I have on or the guests. And so during all that time, and I don't like to say no to people, right? Yeah. So people ask and I say, sure. But now all of a sudden, I, each day, you know, I just got so much to do. And, and, and when, when, you, when you're an actor, it sounds pretentious even saying that, but, the, but, but that's, that's what I do, right? So yeah. we'll go, like, we'll work on Shorzy and it's good money. And I love it. I love doing it. I love everything mm-hmm. about it. I hope we go 500 seasons, honestly. And I'm yeah, me too. 96 years old. And the, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it's hard to get used to being paid, I guess, mm-hmm. sporadically. So now I'm going to Moncton this weekend to do an event. I got another one coming up. I'm not in no way saying I'm not a victim. I'm nothing. I'm just saying now that time is -hmm. precious because I got a daughter and we got to figure out her soccer and and, and her friends and her life and everything else. And that's priority number one is uh, family and and setting yourself up. But Mm -hmm. so point is time's precious. Mm -hmm. And I agree to go on some of these and I must have 45 backed up. I hate to say no to anybody when I get some time. Okay, let's do it. Nothing worse than going on and figuring out that the person doesn't have their shit together. Listen, you asked to have me on. It's been two months and I said, okay. And then, you know, first question might be, or, you know, maybe something that I've already told a thousand times like maybe you yeah. want to hear something else or maybe or they'll get your stats wrong or your hometown i'm like fuck if you, if you're asking ted hitchcock aka terry ryan to come on and you don't don't know i'm from st john's newfoundland then maybe stop and give right. me an, you know i'll give you a week and i'll come back yeah. you know what i mean yeah. uh, but you always really i mean not only that your guests are mostly people that you looked up to or came across um you know from for example, one of the toughest players in my experience was Eric Cairns. Just yeah. people forget, like he was the pronger of the minors, and then he got up. But when I those two years you're talking about, Eric Cairns played against me, and I could not believe how hard he was to play against. I mean, he's tough. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but hard he was to play against. Now, 
that era seems to be your, I know you grew up with Howitt and those guys, but that era seems to be your wheelhouse when you really started, maybe I'm wrong, uh, and maybe you were just getting into adulthood and, you know, now all of a sudden you got the means to go to games and meet players. Um, I love your chat with Cairns. Who, who would be some players that you came across that you didn't expect um, to be A, so interesting, or B, to have like a relationship with, you know? Well, to be honest with you, I've been fortunate. Like I, like I had said, um, I had had a relationship with a lot of these guys before I had uh, had them on the show. And the good thing is, I'll give you an example. So um, I had never met Eric Bolton before I had him on the show, and obviously, I'm a huge fan of his, and I was happy that he played here. Um, and I had reached out to him, and um, uh, what you call I, you know, and I'm assuming when when I reach out to someone that doesn't know me, I usually say, "Hey, listen, I know you don't know who I am, um, but I interviewed, you know, Matt Karkner or somebody like that that you played with." That you know, I always try to not drop names to say, "Hey, I interviewed this guy," but I know that Bolts and Karks are friends. So, hey, you know, I've known Matt a little bit. If you ask Matt, he'll tell you that I'm I'm not a bullshitter or whatever, and. Uh, I'd love to have you on the show. And I'm assuming that that kind of stuff goes on. So uh, I really, I, I have, I know, I knew Bolton was like an, a great personality. Uh, yeah. But when I had him on, I, the, the coolest thing I, I like when people tell me is it seems like that I'm just talking to a friend. And Bolton was an amazing guest. And we had never, ever met before. We had never, ever spoken before. And, but people would say, you can't even tell. So, you have someone like Dean Ewan, a former Western leaguer, you know, yeah. Seattle and Spokane. Now him and I are best friends. So when him and I do a show, I've lived his career with him since he was drafted by the Islanders. So I, I pretty much know everything there is off the top of my head. So if I'm interviewing him, I should sound like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but like I said, with someone like Bolton, who I'd never met before the interview, it, it, you never know what to expect, but he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He's a great storyteller. He's a funny guy. I mean, he his reputation here on the island for his personality precedes him. So um, there's always that kind of – it's basically two types of interviews. It's someone I know, someone I don't know. And um, most of the time, I, I think the good thing is I, I have a reputation with the guys that I know what I'm doing and I do my research, so they don't feel like they're wasting their time. Yeah, you're right on there. Um, do you get nervous for the ones that you don't know the person? I don't get nervous. You know why I don't get nervous for these? Because of all the research I put in. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, um, I interviewed Cedric Lacroix, who is Danny Lacroix's son. And I had met him before. Um, but I, I had done probably 10, 11 hours of research over the course of when I asked him to come on till till yesterday. So... I don't get nervous because I feel like I put the work in. Now, yeah. that being said, if I had to interview some Finnish right winger who's never had a fight in his life and you want to talk about analytics or something like that, well, that's I'm out of my depth there. I'd be petrified. Um, but I, I feel like I know what I'm talking about and I do the research beforehand. So it, it, I don't get nervous with these guys. Plus, listen, I've known you forever. You're, you're, you know, you're not Terry Ryan, the first round pick, the former Montreal Canadian. You're TR. You're my buddy. So if I had you on the show, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be nervous at all. So it's just you guys are good guys. You understand. You're you're the blue collar guys of the sport. So there's no no uh, pretend, you know pretentiousness if that's a word. But it, it, it's all good, and I love making the guys laugh. And and the best thing is when they tell me I haven't thought about that in years, and I love hearing that. 
interesting, and thank you. I feel the same about you, my friend. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I spent an hour last time talking about it. I just want to touch on this. Your Subway Hero experience, what was the guy's name? Uh, Mick, Mikhail Gelman, I think? Uh, Maxim Gelman. Gelman, that's how you pronounce it, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have any, and please, people, look it up. My favorite article is the one, Badass of the Week. Have you seen yourself on there? <laughs> yeah, that was... That was one of the first ones that uh, that came out when it happened. So uh, I did get a chuckle out of that one. I love it because my favorite villain ever is uh, Gregora, Gregory Rasputin. There's a song okay. about him. And that's my favorite. I did. I covered him in uh, school, and that was the article, Badass of the Week. And I saw you come <laughs> up on there because I follow it. I was yeah. like, wow, Joe, Joe, Joe's Badass of the Week. Couldn't believe it. Oh. Um, anyway, that's the best place, that, uh, I think, the, the coolest article that explains it all. But... Do you still have injuries from that? Do you still, like, you know, what's, that was really only 10 years ago. It's not that long ago <clears throat> or just over. Yeah, no, I, I have scars, obviously. They're fading, but they're still there. You know, physically anyway, you know, you have the scars. They're still there. Um, no, the only only physical thing is uh, where where he got me on my thumb here. He, he sliced me where the webbing is, hit, you know, where the yeah. thumb connects. So if I... And I'm right-handed, so it doesn't happen often. But let's say I go to grab a gallon of milk and I grab it with a part. I can still grab it, but I just kind of get tingles. And um, it was a machete he had, right? It was an eight-inch chef's knife. It an was eight-inch uh, chef's knife. Is chef's that who he killed? The, he, for those that don't know, I mean, you're going to find this out. He was in the middle of a killing spree. I, I suppose that's the best way you could put it. Yep. Um, and he, he'd killed four people, correct? Yeah, the first person he killed was his stepfather. Um, he started out with another weapon, and I guess it was another knife, and he stabbed him upwards of 55 times. And during the uh, incident, he, he actually broke the first knife. So this was the second knife. So he finished the job with that one. Uh, then he murdered a, a, a mother and a, a daughter. He actually murdered a guy that he ran over. It actually was was a random thing. He was on the run, and uh, he didn't stab this guy. He just you know blew him down with the car. Um, and then he attacked, I think, three other people with that knife. And then uh, then he tried to get me. So he just found himself on your subway car. Yeah, he was. Uh, what, what ultimately what he was trying to do was he wanted to take over the subway. And I just happened to be the person at the front of the train right behind the uh, the engineer. So I don't know if he thought I was going to be a threat to him taking over the train. And the whole idea of taking over the train is ridiculous because it's the subway. It, it goes from one end to the other. It's not like you're going to blow through a wall. You have to stop at some point. You can only take it so far. But this guy is an True. idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So at a certain point, you're going to stop. So what happens then? Um, yeah. But yeah, that was uh, that's what he wanted to do. But you're talking about human scum and the lowest form of uh, of a person and a piece of shit. So nothing surprises me. You were on your way to work, right? Yes. From where to where? Well, I was living in Philly at the time. Um, what happened was I, I lived in Philly and we loved it down there. We really liked it. That's where both my sons were born and we wanted to kind of settle down there. All our relatives are up here on the island and my dad lives in Kansas. Uh, but we were kind of, we wanted to kind of make our own way. So we lived in Philly. I actually, at the time, well, what brought us down there was I worked for Fleer Trading Cards, you know, the baseball hockey card company. That's what yeah. brought us down there. Uh, they went bankrupt and I ended up getting a job at Madison Square Garden doing box office work. Um, then uh, an opportunity came up at Lincoln Center and that's where I, that's where I was working at the time 
of the incident. So I was going from Philadelphia uh, to New York City to Lincoln Center. I'm no longer there. I'm actually, you had mentioned it on today's episode. I am actually now working at Carnegie Hall. But okay. at the time, it was Lincoln Center. I see. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Now, for those of you, that that's a compelling, intriguing, absolutely amazing story. And uh, just check it out on one of my earlier podcasts or just Google it. Uh, Joe Lazito, New York Subway Hero. Absolutely mesmerizing. Joe, what's your favorite playoff memory ever? doesn't have to be the Islanders. Just curious. I, I, someone asked me that question the other night, and I was kind of caught off guard. I don't know what to say. Maybe the Dan Cleary, Michael Ryder, Alex Newhook they're from Newfoundland. They got cups, yeah. but really, if something stands out to me, it's probably early '90s. You know, you're 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 ten, twelve, thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Lemieux going, you know, making going through the uh, Minnesota defense like it was a knife through butter, and then everything yeah. else he did in that series. I just I remember it. I don't know. Would it be my favorite? Probably. Uh, what about you? Well, I'll give you three. Obviously, uh, being old enough to grow up with those dynasty teams, the first cup, you know, first Islanders cup over Philadelphia, you know, the overtime goal. Um, you know, I think I always say that day or the day before was the last time Bob Nystrom ever bought a beer on Long yeah, Island. I'm yeah, I sure he, has, he hasn't bought a beer since. What a guy to do it to. Oh what a guy. God. It's He's Mr. Islander. He's such a stud, too. He's such a great guy. Um, so that's one. Uh, number two, even though it was in a losing cause, uh, and this is on YouTube, uh, I always say it was um, – in 1990, the Islanders played the Rangers, and the Rangers were winning the game. They won the game. Uh, during the game, uh, James Patrick uh, shouldered Pat LaFontaine high, knocked him out, gave him a concussion. And with two seconds left and the game was over, uh, Al Arbor put out Ken Baumgartner, Mick Vakoda, Gary Nyland, Gerald Diddick, and Brian Trottier. And um, it, it's it's great to watch on YouTube. I'm actually getting goosebumps right now because yeah. just before the puck is dropped, Bomber is basically circling like a shark, just waiting for the puck to be dropped. And then after that, it was just all chaos. And it was it just meant something to me because yeah. it's old school and it's like you leave an impression and you're just not going to – you had to send a message that um, you can't knock out our toughest player and not face retribution. And – even that summer, uh, Baumgartner did an interview, and and, he, and this is something you can definitely relate to. He said, basically, I see Pat LaFontaine lying on the ice, convulsing on the ice. I'm looking at my brother lying on the ice, convulsing on the ice, and that had to, there had to be an answer for that. And uh, I mean, just it would aside from that, just you know, Mick Vakoda, what a great character he is. He's coming off the ice. The Ranger fans are chanting "asshole," and he goes and picks up a Ranger a Ranger hat, puts it on his head, just skates off the ice, like taunting them. It was it was it's it's unfortunate that it happened in a loss, but it really for someone like myself, it just meant so much that you know they're not going to go, they're not going to take it lying down and you can't put Pat LaFontaine out without answering for it. And, uh, and then the third one, if I can go to the American league, I was fortunate enough. My first American league hockey game live was the Islanders last game as uh, having Springfield as an affiliate. And it was a Calder cup championship over Rochester. And I was fortunate enough to be there and it was absolutely amazing. So uh, those would be my, my three great playoff games. What year was that? That was uh, 1990. Oh, okay, 90. Yeah, then the Islanders, uh, they moved their affiliate to Capital District uh, up in Troy, New York, and Hartford took over Springfield. 
Uh, yeah, and shortly after that, it might have been the next year, is when St. John's Maple Leafs came in and were in the final against Adirondack. It was either the it year. Was, it was right at, yeah, it was around that time, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, the Leafs were still wearing the old-style jersey. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, absolutely, it might have been the year after. Um, what do you think is most significant? Well, in, uh, what to you is the most significant rule change that's happened recently? I mean, you know, rule change ever would probably be being able to go forward with the puck, right? I'm, I'm, I don't want to go back to the 30s, though. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say in recent history, since you and I are, have been growing up to now. Uh, I mean, obviously, the easy one for me is is the instigator rule. When they put that in, I, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, I am. I know people, younger people, it seems like, and they love the the speed of the game. They love that there's no red line. They, I, that's, I grew up with that. Um, I hate the fact that there's no red line. I don't, I don't have a problem with, let's say, a slower game. I just think it, I don't, I don't do well with the cherry picking and stuff. I kind of like the fact that you had to actually work out of your own end, and you couldn't just launch a, a two line pass without getting called for it. So I'm not a fan of that, and I absolutely 100% hate that a game is decided on a shootout. I, I I hate it. I just think you got guys battling for 65 minutes, and now it's going to be decided on a skills competition. I think that's brutal. I honestly am surprised that that stuck as long as it did. Yeah. Really? It was a novelty. I know what you say about the novelty that we're off two years in. Yeah. What, what are we going to see now? I mean, I, all these... I guess it's I don't know trick shots and stuff. It's fine. I get and yeah. look. I understand if the game evolves. If someone's picking up the puck on their stick, these Michigans and everything else. If, mm-hmm. if it works and you're not going to get limbed afterwards, I mean, I think there would have been. I'm fine, but but stopping the game at the end to have that shootout. I don't know. I'd rather it I, three on three isn't going to go too much longer without a goal being scored. I don't think. <laughs> and, I mean, and what's wrong with a tie if it does? Well, I, I was just going to say that, you know, growing <laughs> up, I've seen plenty of ties that were great games and it just yeah. ends in, uh, it's a war of attrition. And I didn't, I never left the rink going, Oh my God, I, I saw a tie. This is bullshit. I wish there was some way to, you know, make it a dog and pony show and have guys shoot, you know, something irrelevant to the game. So um, I hate it. And uh, it's so great that they don't use it in the playoffs. You know, they don't decide important games with it. Right. So, of course, um, uh, no, to me, it's just horseshit. And, uh, you know, and I I get that the, the, the important games, but the thing is there's so many important games during the regular season. There's, there's a lot of them, but inevitably they have to matter. Great example last year. I forget the exact stat, but I listened to all the shows and Florida Panthers had an abnormal amount of shootout wins last year. Mm-hmm. Remember, they got the President's Trophy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, well, they did. But they had, you know, there was a lot of teams right up there, and they wouldn't have if this. Now, I get it. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, sure. but still, the shootout comes into play more than I would like it to. That's a traditional thing. I understand there's going to be changes, but we don't have to force them. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. With the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can bet on things like money line, puck line, over, under, and more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org.
In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for complete offer details. By the way, do you do any public speaking? Um, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, I, I, I have done a few things. It's something I really want to get into. I really, it's something that uh, I'm going to, uh, the way my job is, our slow time is sort of mid-July to mid-September. So the way my schedule is, I kind of work all different hours when we have performances at the hall. That's kind of a break in time. So then it becomes more like regular business hours. That's my that's my um, goal is once we slow down a little bit at work, I really want to um, to try to look into it more. And um, I was fortunate enough. Um, my wife and I went to visit friends down in Florida recently. Yeah. And um, Matt Karkner is the coach and GM in Orlando with the Solar Bears. You know, you're familiar with them. Yeah. And uh, I had shot him a text and said, hey, you know, we're heading down. I'd love to catch a game. And he actually said, hey, would you mind? Um, you can come to the game, no problem. But would you mind coming in the day before? I'd love to have you tell your story to the boys and uh, and have you do that. And I was just floored. Like, it, it's humbling to be asked that. And uh, and I did. And I, I was nervous at the beginning. But then the nerves kind of went away as I got into the story. And um, I've had a few people over the years um, tell me that they think I'd be I'd do well at it, and I actually discussed it with my boss. And my boss is like, "You have to do this, and even if you need time off, we'll work it out." And so it, it is definitely something that is on my radar. And uh, and like I said, I, I would love to do more of it. Uh, I just have to sort of network myself a little better, which is something I'm going to focus on in the month or two when it slows down at work. Well, that's why I asked. I think yeah. you would be good at it. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, do you think there's a clutch gene? It's it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. Well, let's say yes, but maybe it's just not obvious. And um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and maybe you don't know it's there. Like, like I'll tell you this. So, in my situation with with what happened to me on the subway, mm-hmm. um, if you had asked me the day before. Hey, if this happened on the subway, would you? How would you react? I, to be honest, I would have to tell you I don't know, because yeah. you don't know what you're going to do. You could say I would do this, I would do that, but you don't know. Oh man, the, when shit hits the fan, you don't know. Right. Especially some kind of shit like that, your life's on the line. Right. So, I wouldn't. I would have listen. I would have liked to said, yeah, if a guy comes at me with a knife, yeah, I'm going to defend myself. But you, you know, you could freeze. You could whatever. So. Um, if I have that clutch gene, let's say, then I didn't know I had it before that day. Uh, so maybe it was just dormant and, uh, and now it's back to being dormant, but, uh, you know, I would say, I'd say possibly, but maybe it's just not always there. Well, here's what I think. That's interesting. You said that because you don't know. Okay. Let's say a guy like Matthew Kachuk. There's something in him that makes him a probably, I mean, he's a valuable player. I think maybe a little bit more valuable in the playoffs. Yeah. But Calgary didn't win Florida. You still need to get bounces. If Marshawn scores, you know, three games to one, they're out. But yeah. so it's not always going to present itself. But I, I put it this way: I can guarantee you, there's people without it. Right? Oh yeah. Not, yeah. not everybody with what I'm calling the clutch gene. I think is like, I don't know, someone that wants to be up when it's 
two outs in the ninth, bases loaded. Yep. We need a few runs here. Someone that wants that. They might fail, but but there are people, professional athletes that get paid tens of millions of dollars that don't, they'll never tell you, but right. they really don't want it. And when the playoffs comes, they're thinking, I want to fucking, as soon as I can, I'm, the Stanley Cup isn't important. I want to go rest. I want to vacay. I want to hang out with my wife, my family, my friends or whatever. Now, they'd never say that. And right. they're going to go out there and play. And you might not, it might not be obvious, but no. they're probably not going to battle in overtime and get in there and get the greasy goal, right? Yep. Um, but a player like, and I even, I, I don't know, I'm going to say Kachuk, mm-hmm. but like a guy like Marcheseau on Vegas, you would never think that, but he right. gets goals from two feet in front of the net, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not a big guy. Nope. He's not a guy who fights or anything, but those kind of players, I think, if you take a 10-year career, just I'm just throwing that out there, then more often than not, the cream will probably rise to the top. It won't always. And maybe you can learn it. I don't know. Can As- can Austin Matthews learn it? Can Mitch Mariner learn it? Are they a victim of bad bounces? Or do you think at some point they're going to be feared in the playoffs like Ovi eventually was? Yeah, I mean, you can look... I'll use an example here. You know, again, staying in my lane with the Islanders here. Like, if you... You look at the history of the Islanders, people right away go to the big four. You know, Podvin, Billy Smith, Trottier, and Bossy. Four absolutely great players. I, I think Dennis pa- – I didn't see Bobby Orr. I always say Dennis Pavin's the best defenseman I've ever seen. Um, Interesting. You'd like to have a conversation with my dad. Keep going. Oh, me and me and Senior, forget he it. He loves Dennis Pavin. Yeah, yeah, well, wait. So – but that's – those are the four people that uh, – four players most people identify with. But when – talk about clutch – Bob Nystrom would score a big goal. John Tonelli, you know, guy. These are guys that dig in the corners. There's no dynasty. Dynasty. If John Tonelli doesn't score those two goals against yeah. Pittsburgh in the playoffs, they would have been eliminated. So, yeah, I think you know, being an Islanders fan of a certain age, you kind of know that what what clutch is all about, and it doesn't always come from the big guns. And and in, in hockey, clutch could be any number of things. It could be a, a, yeah. a goal. It could be winning a faceoff. It could, you know, could be the guy, you know, mucking in the corner. You know, it could be any number of things. And I, I agree with you about Kachuk because honestly, when I heard about that trade last year, I was like, wow, Calgary did pretty well, but not really. No, not really. And and Kachuk's still playing and you know, I'm happy for him. I mean, uh, you know, good for him. I'm always happy for North. Listen, I, I know it might not be politically correct. I really don't care. I'm always happy for the North American players. They're my favorite kind of players. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it, good for him and, you know, and his brother and his dad, you know, it's a family thing. And I guess, you know, there was the whole thing where um, Keith Kachuk kind of, you know, talked about the heart of the Panthers. And it was like after that, they just took off. So, you know, good for them. Yeah, exactly. Listen, advertising. So we always, I think even as hockey players, took pride in looking overseas and going, look at those idiots with with advertising all over their jerseys and their helmets and the ice. And, and now it's slowly, slowly creeping. It's why well, I wouldn't even say slowly anymore because not only do we have it on the boards, it's interchanging during the game. You look at yep. the ice and it's littered now. Yeah. And now the ads are on the helmets. Where do you think this is going to end? Do you? They say there's no more, but do you think we're going to have multiple, I think multiple within, I don't know, 10, 15 years, ads on jerseys? I think for someone like yourself, now even if you never, ever played pro hockey, you had senior as a dad, so you wouldn't yeah. have been passionate about hockey. And, you know, I grew up with the sport, and 
if you think about all the things that we, we've said over the years, that will never happen. That will never happen. And then it happens. Um, like even I saw a picture on, I think, Twitter. The Florida Panthers have to move their Stanley Cup patch to the other side of the jersey because you have the sponsorship patch on here. Like things you would never, ever think of. Uh, I think that as much as we like to romanticize sports, um, you get to a certain age and you realize it's a business. And I think if they're going to, the league is going to make money, which is what they want to do is make money. And by putting a dozen goofy patches on jerseys and helmets and, you know, like they do in Europe, someone's wearing a gold helmet and someone's wearing this helmet, you know, it's, it's going to happen. Basically there's nothing that would surprise me anymore as far as sports go. It's definitely <laughs> not what it used to be. And we can get as romantic as we, we like, and I do it all the time. I watch the games down here, and all I do is say that never would have happened if you know Bobby Nystrom was there or Mick Vakoda or Eric Cairns. That never would have happened. As much as I like to get romantic about the good old days, they are long gone. I played in Utah with Mick, well, and in Montreal, so yeah. little about – two or three months in each place with Mick mm -hmm. and in Utah he used to drive around on his bike with no helmet just a big yeah. leather jacket and his hair flowing mm -hmm. big big yeah. Harley yeah yeah oh, he yeah. was just he was intimidating and what's the word I, I think the word is cool he's very <laughs> cool I'm, I'm, I'm quite a bit younger I, I, I yeah. don't know but he was established by the time yeah. I got there like he was mm -hmm. I knew who Mick Fakota was yeah and uh yeah I thought that was wild um do you think I don't know how to word this because I don't know what my version is of it, but the game is going to go global. You could kind of say it is now because the NFL, the NFL, I think I think almost every major sports league plays games in Europe or, or doesn't it be Europe, other parts of the world at certain times during the season. Do you ever think you'll see like the winner of the KHL play, or do you think you'll see Moscow, Rome and uh, Dusseldorf, uh, you know, join the NHL or just three randoms. Do you think that'll ever happen um, or winners will play? Do you think the international level of professional teams will intermingle more than it is now? I'll go back to what I just said. It's all about making money. If there's a way that they can put a team in Rome or Dusseldorf or Vienna and they can make money off it, I w would not surprise me if it happened. So, um, there's to me, there's nothing off the table. These are very rich men that can never ever have enough money to satisfy them. So if it happens, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough. Um, what other sports do you watch closely? It's unfortunate that I don't enjoy sports as much as I used to. It used to be baseball, football, and hockey. Uh, then as I got a little older, when MMA came on the scene, I, I started watching that a lot. And I just um, I don't get as much enjoyment out of sports as I used to. Now, my teams, I definitely do. You know, I watch every Islanders game, uh, Buffalo Bills. I watch all their games uh, and uh, CFL, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I enjoy them. Uh, really? Yeah. Baseball has just. They, they lost me. The rule changes, the analytics, they absolutely lost me. The um, the whole me, look at me, you hit a fly ball, now you're pounding your chest, you're kissing your fingers. See, I hate that too. That's yeah. why it got me down on basketball, man. Everybody, like, It's a breath of fresh air to see a guy like Steph Curry just say, hey, my teammates deserve the credit tonight. Like, really? No one's, yeah. I'm going, holy fuck, man, this is getting insane. And it's... I'm saying basketball because it's most. I mean, what's what are we doing here when guys take how many how many what do you call it 
body management games? What do you call that? I don't even know. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like rest management or whatever they call it. Oh, um, when they take games off? Yeah. That's like, and it's frequent. Yeah. I went yeah. to a game a few years ago. Now, I mean, I guess there's an argument for it because I went to a game in Toronto the year they won. I mean, it seems like 10 years ago now, but I think it was only 2019. And, uh, you know, geez, Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing. Why? Oh, load management. Mm -hmm. What? And look, he played like 50 games. There's 84 in a season. What the fuck's going on? You're playing just over half. I'm a paying fan. Why are you making money? Is all of it only about only about the ring at the end of the year? Or little Joey wants to go to his first fucking game and he's here to see Kawhi Leonard. Yep. Not a bunch of, like, or whoever. I just don't, I don't understand how that can happen. And if that's a thing, Joe, if that's a thing, and if it starts seeping into other sports, well, maybe you should rethink the amount of games you're playing in a season. Because if so many yeah. people need load management, you know, I don't see it happen in college. No, no. It, it's, again, I, I always go back to things that you never thought you'd see happen. And I couldn't imagine, could you imagine in in his heyday, you get, you, you're, you're living in just a middle-class family and your your dad saved up money and now you got a ticket to see your team because Edmonton's coming to town. And all of a sudden you're looking in the warm-up and there's no 99. Well, I can't take, I would never. He's taking a day off. Like it just and I and I think the reason why you and I have such visceral visceral reactions to that is because although I wasn't a player, I grew up with the game. You're a player, you played, you grew up with it. That's not the hockey mentality. It doesn't register with someone like myself or someone like you because the whole thing with hockey is you're playing for your teammates. If you're not, if you yeah. don't have a bone sticking out, you're getting back out there. So that that type of mentality just doesn't register with me. I don't get it. And it's definitely not going to register with someone like you who was on the front line. So um, it, it's it's just weird. But again, now more than ever, it's the money. It, it's the investment. And it just doesn't – my brain doesn't function that way. You're making I, a lot of money. You play the game. I, I know what you're saying too, the money, but to me the money is still affected because the team that's paying you, I'm, I'm assuming, wants to put out a good product for their fans. They're not just paying you for the last game of the year. They're not just paying you for that. Part right. of that salary is to entertain the people that are in the building right. that we – that support our team. Yep. That are fans of our team, whatever team that might be, whatever sport that might be. I can and it's funny because the the one sport I can really see it with 162 games is baseball. Yeah, and they really, I mean, honestly, a lot of guys play 150 games plus. So <laughs> I don't know. It comes to something like hockey. I was talking with Rick Vive about mm -hmm. this, and Rick's from a different era. We did yeah. a couple of charity games. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he agreed. He said, can you imagine going in and saying, like, you got a cold? Like, you, you got a head cold and you can't play? I, I, but it's now. People say it all the time. I can't imagine it. You, I would have to be, like, you know, food poisoning, not be able to get, like, puke, vomit, diarrhea, whatever. Just And I can't even remember any of those instances. If you could, you play. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is what I, I'm concerned with, just seeing with the way sports is going now, I think sort of that individuality is creeping into hockey, and that's really disappointing. I think nowadays, more than ever, you have guys worried more about their brands, yeah. worried about their Instagram, and that is something that, again, maybe, maybe naive of me, maybe, again, romanticizing the game. That is something I never thought I'd see in hockey, and uh, while they're still behind the other sports in terms of the individual stuff, I see it creeping into the game now, and it's pretty yeah. disappointing. It is creeping in, my friend. Uh, you know what? My favorite, 
my favorite sports clip so far of this whole year is in any sport is Connor Bedard. I don't even know if you saw it when they won the World Juniors and they came yeah. and he said, "Can we stop talking about me?" Yes, my teammates. Mm-hmm. Let me let me enjoy this with my teammates. We would never mm-hmm. want if it was just me. Look exactly. what just happened. And I'm like, what? Like, think of. I just hope more young prospects. I hope it's a pendulum and it's cyclical and it, and it swings. And I hope now it goes. More people take that uh, advice or at least that example. Yeah. in other sports and run with it. Because honestly, I was talking about this with Senior the other day, and he said, you know, if you really think about the greatest in the sports, most of them are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, gee, I nearly said LeBron James. I couldn't be any more off there. I mean, <laughs> Michael Jordan, yeah. I don't know, Tiger Woods. I'm just trying to think. Like, just, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I, to some degree, Tom Brady, he's getting a little, he likes the attention. But, you know, I, I, I've never seen him get interviewed and say, you know, I had a great game. I don't know what the hell the receivers are doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of the greats have that element. I can go back to Jack Nicholas. I don't know, Rocket Richard, mm-hmm. Dan Marino. I, I, You know, it just yep. seems to be a thing. I guess it goes hand in hand with the culture and Instagram yeah. and social media really sway that sort of thing. And they're, they're more me, 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 not even me, 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 the, 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 the superficial fake me, 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 you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it, it promotes things that you and I grew up kind of despising if i yeah. i say say it all the time if if i took a kodak camera to school it was the only way you could take a real picture yeah. quick because it was even when cell phones came in in the 90s there was no camera on them so if i was to turn a camera around and take a picture of myself and and, and call it a selfie <laughs> i would have gotten shit like there's no it would have definitely someone's gonna take me out for that like i'm gonna have to yeah. answer the bell mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to answer the bell after school for that i mean fight not and the you school should bell. and you should have to answer the bell for that. yeah I, I should have to answer the bell yeah um so i'm interested what your favorite jersey you're a collector mm-hmm. um like ken reed collects hockey cards you're uh, a, a collector of not only knowledge, but uh, these interviews, pucks, jerseys, but just about everything. But I know you got some jerseys, um, tapes, whatever. What would be your favorite jersey ever? And if it's Islanders, how do you? what do you think of the Highliner jersey? There's two questions. Your favorite jersey ever. And when it comes to the Islanders, where does the Highliner rank? Well... Uh, my favorite favorite jersey that I own, or just uh, no, you know. just ever. Like if I if I could, mm-hmm. I'm a, I, again I'm a Habs fan, not just yeah. having played there. But right. if I really could have any jersey ever, I'd like to get a late sixties uh, Chicago Blackhawks jersey. Right. Well, the Blackhawks yeah. by far that is that is the cream of the crop. Um, yeah. The the red Blackhawks is phenomenal. Uh, and I actually like the black one they had a few years you know, when Brownie was on the Blackhawks. Yeah. Had that black one, which I thought was pretty sharp, too. Um, the Detroit, jer- I think the red Red Wings jersey is just classic. Uh, so those would probably be my favorites. Of course, I'm I'm biased. I'm an Islanders fan. I love the logo, you know, as Long Island on it. And uh, so I love I love the Islander jerseys. Uh, <laughs> as far as the fish sticks jersey, uh, that thing is fucking embarrassing. And um it, it represents a terrible time in the history of the team. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was just, it's my wife and I will go to the games and we just laugh at people that have them. And the unfortunate thing is it seemed like when they moved to Brooklyn for a couple of years, the, uh, the hipsters in Brooklyn, uh, they kind of latched onto that thing. And it, I know it, that's why I asked, I can't believe it. Sold. You know what it is? It sold a ton of merch. And now this year when they brought it back, it sold, I mean, listen, Again, it's a business. It was a smart move in terms of sales because these kids, they have no idea. 
they don't, I think a lot of the young people, they don't appreciate tradition and they just, they don't care. It's just a logo to them. The Islander logo doesn't mean anything to them. So whether it's the classic logo or the fisherman logo, it doesn't matter. It's the Islanders. And they sold tons and tons of that shit this year. And it just blows my mind. And, and I just, I think it's honestly, I think it's disgraceful. And when I see people, the only thing that blows my mind more is when I see people that walk around with that jersey and they got like a legend on the back, like Potvin, but in the fisherman style or Nystrom or Trotty. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I honestly, I cannot. And yeah. you see that far, far too often. Oh, it, it's hit. And, and I I'm, see it all the time. And then that, even outside of that, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm a jersey snob. Like, I'm a jersey, like, I, I have certain rules, like with jerseys. You can't get your own name on a jersey. Uh, you can't get um, a jersey uh, of a player if they didn't wear that style. Uh, yeah, that's my big one. You know, like even with baseball, like if you get a Yankee jersey, you can't get a name on the back. You yeah, know, stuff can. like that. Those are all violations. So when I see when I see the fish stick jersey and I see anybody on it, it just blows my mind. But especially when I see the legends on it, I'm like, do you have any clue? You, do, you just have no clue, but I think it's just it, – it's this it's the new generation where everything is immediate. They they don't respect tradition, and I, I would ne- – I have one. Brent Severin was nice enough to send me one of his, uh, and I have it on the wall here. But the, the Fisherman logo is against the wall, so you'll never see the logo. I have it out so you can see Severin 24. I would never wear it. And uh, I don't ever show people the front because it's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> and it's, so. it's different. You're getting a collectible that a player wore. Yeah. Um, nothing worse than getting a bad jersey in the first place that everybody thought was terrible. But fine, if you like it, you like it. But then plastering it Ugh. with nice drummers. Or, you yeah, know, in that it's case, disgusting. I'm just like, do you guys, to me, you're, you're just advertising your idiocy. But yeah. Some people enjoy that. Who do you think is going to win the cup, Joe? I mean, uh, I don't have a fucking clue, to be honest with you. I know that Vegas are favored. I don't even I, – I, at this point, the regular season seems – I know why, sorry, because yeah. they, they had more points in the regular season. But it seems so irrelevant now. Yeah. I don't really know. Bobrovsky seems like he's going to stop peas coming in fog. So <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, I will tell you, I think if if the Stanley Cup – if the final had started right after, let's say, Vegas would have swept um, – I would have said Florida because they were just on a roll. I, I wonder how much this layoff is going to affect them um, yeah. because they were red hot. And Dude, a, fl- a layoff in Florida too. Right. There's right. no way around it. No. You have to leave your place. You can't work too hard on the ice. You come all this way, you might be able to go over a few things, but yep. it's not like they're going to be at the rink all day and you come out and it's fucking FLA. Like, right. you know, you're on boats, you're tanning. See, even you see them, they're tanned. There's no way around it. The sun's out. Right. I know. I agree with you. I think it might be a, I think both teams might need a period or two or a game or two to get into it. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say, I, I think Florida will Florida will win, I think. Now, I'm rooting for Vegas uh, only because Jim McKenzie is a scout for Vegas, and I believe that the scouts get good Stanley guy, Cup rings. So, yeah. so I'm rooting for Vegas just for that, just so Jimmy will get a Stanley Cup ring. Uh, I do think Florida will win overall, and I do think they lose the first game just because, like I said, the layoff. Uh, if Florida wins that first game, all bets are off. They could sweep. I don't know, but, you know, it all comes down to goaltending and Bobrovsky is he's on a tear right now. So gun to my head, I'll say Florida. I, I'm rooting for Vegas because I want Jimmy to get the ring. But if you know Vegas loses, it's not like I'm gonna be throwing stuff in the house. 
You know, I had to watch Vegas all year because I covered the uh, Oilers with Ryan yeah. Rashog and Jason Strudwick periodically, mm-hmm. and never really went three weeks without going on there. Yeah, and uh, so I watched a lot of those Western games I wouldn't normally. And I got to be honest, man, Vegas, they were like eh, they were real good, and like. Yeah. I, I really like that team. I, I wouldn't have thought it if I didn't watch them a lot. You know, I probably saw 12, 15 games, enough to say they impress me more often than not. And yeah. Florida's on a roll. Bobrovsky's in there. I mean, what's going to happen? I, to me, look, I don't know if it's the Stanley Cup final and you take history into account. I don't know. You got Bobrovsky versus Aiden Hill, is it? Is Hill still in? I don't even know. Don't they have Quick? Isn't he on that team? I, I know he's there, but Hill, yeah. Hill went on a bit of a roll, and he's yeah. he's their fifth goalie. Nice. Now, you know, things. Yeah. nothing, like I said, nothing would surprise me, and I don't want to give – maybe this young Hill turns out to be an incredible goalie. It's not like he's a bad goalie. I don't know right. if anybody saw this coming. Right. Right? But did anybody see Patrick Waugh coming? I really don't know. Um Joe, do you have anything else? I got to take off. Do you have anything else to promote on the way out here, or uh, what do you got going on? Uh, no, not really. Like uh, you know, I appreciate you promoting the show. I, I would say if people are interested in, in, uh, I would call them in-depth enforcer interviews. Please check out the show, um, uh, Coliseum Chronicles: The Penalty Box. You don't have to be an Islanders fan to appreciate the interviews. Uh, I really take pride in what I do, and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, other than that, no, man, I just, I'm so grateful you had me back on. Okay, well, thank you. Um, and by the way, I know my friends Chris and Caitlin from Trail BC, who got a cameo from me this morning, are waiting for a story about when I went out to play junior hockey. It's coming next time, guys. I'm going to tie it in to my episode on uh, Tuesday, 156A, just to let you know. Thanks for listening, and thanks to anybody out here there, there who's reached out and gotten a cameo. Uh, and Joe, thanks. Coliseum Chronicles, welcome to the club, Thank being you. the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, if you ever need me for anything, let me know. I'm going to be in your area. I know I said this last year, but I ended up, I had to take what comes. I ended up going to Rapid City when I was going to go to New England, and it was a fucking unbelievable time. Mm-hmm. Uh, dropped a puck, lit a live Q&A, went to Deadwood, um, went to Mount Rushmore, and down to see the Rapid City Rush a couple of games. It was an awesome yeah. time, but I will make it down there soon. Yeah, I hope so. There's a nice Canadian bar in the city uh, we could uh, we could head over to. Maybe they, uh, they could pay you to do an appearance or something. Hey, maybe if, uh, yeah. like I said, I'm going to Moncton tomorrow. Part of it is uh, speaking and, uh, you know, live Q&A usually works, stand-up, whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I'd love to get down there. Any reason to get to New York. And I also want to take my daughter at some point. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I try to take her on two trips a year now. Mm-hmm. And New York, of course, not only is fun, but it's also great for a kid's education about life in general, you know? Absolutely. Okay, buddy, thanks a lot. Folks, that was Jolton, Joe Lazito. If you're in downtown St. John's this weekend or any weekend, stop in for a beer at Trinity Pub, TJ's, Greensleeves, Rob Roy Confusion, Martini Bar, or the Bull and Barrel. If you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not to do it at Merchant Tavern? Why not do it at Blue on Water or Wedgwood Cafe? Mr. Lube, two locations, one on Torbay Road, one on Camount Road. Chris Sparks, my buddy, live, laugh, lube. If you want to work out, change your life. Get in a positive mindset, strength balance for the body and mind, power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Strength and balance for the body and mind, sorry, power conditioning, Rope Walk Lane. True hockey, take what's yours and pitbull pain relief. For the pain sticks that just don't quit, I use them every single day. Pitbullpainrelief.com. This has been 155B with my buddy Jolton Joe Lazito. Check it out. 
Coliseum Chronicles back in just a few days. Thanks a lot. Catch you on the rebound. <laughs>